And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. I sound like I'm laughing because I am. Luke Smith has just walked into the studio from Envision Financial, I should add, to talk finances this afternoon. But of course, as always, it's a Friday afternoon, it so is. we decided to have a bit of a laugh. Well, I think if you can't have a laugh on a Friday, I think you just can't have a laugh. But And in fact, what triggered it all was the, the fact that it's a spectacularly mm. good-looking day today. Mm. It's yeah, a, fantastic. It should have been on the golf course today, but, you know. Well, look, you know, that's your fault. You know, well, you, you run your own business. You set your own yeah. hours. You could have yeah. been on the golf course if you really wanted to. I'll have a word to my boss. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Get him that's, on the, side. that's the trouble with working for yourself. The right. boss can be a bit of a bugger sometimes. Well, I think it's also the misconception <laughs> that if you're self-employed, you've got this all this spare time to oh, make those life-balanced choices and, and get out and play golf and have the you, endless lunch. Which you, you may have a little more command over how you allocate your time, mm. but you still have to allocate your time yeah, to all exactly. sorts of things. And it's, yeah, you're generally trying to fit, you know, two days into one, so... Yeah. Something's exactly. got to give, and it's normally the golf, unfortunately. Unfortunately. So. But, look, I think tomorrow should be pretty good for golf as well, if you can make it out there tomorrow. Well, I think they've just caught all the green, so I think <laughs> we'll give that a miss as well. So, <laughs> Never mind. Doesn't matter. We're here to talk about finances today, yes. and uh, I can I can tell you, if, if, you, if you're interested, that uh, once not? again, the share market is kind of down today. It'll be off a bit today. Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, it's down by almost 1%. It's about yep. 0.8 of a percent. That's it's okay. had a, had a bit right. of a rough trot the last couple of days. Well, uh, the, you know, we've seen the, the tech sector in the US US save such a strong rally that you know companies in 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 that sector are people taking some profit, lightening things off, um, and just normalising the earnings because they have been ex- exponentially good, mm. um, and they form a very large portion of the index. So three or four or five companies that rally very strongly can lift the entire index disproportionately. So we're just seeing that those sort of high growth areas of, of just pull back a little bit and, and normalise their earnings. So That's not normally the sort of thing we talk about here because we tend to take mm. a longer view, don't we? This yeah, is- look, and I think that's important that people remember that. You know, it's, it's very much a case of look at it as a positive and say, well, maybe I can have a nibble. Yep. Maybe I can take some positions. And, you know, in light of where the, the US market's at historically, you know, throwing all your powder in one go may not be right. But, again, if you've got a 15, 20, 30-year view, have a go and, and just take that on board when you when you place the money. What we are here to talk about today is exchange-traded funds, which yep. is a related topic because yeah, we're, talk- so. we're talking yep. about something you can buy on the stock exchange. Correct. Very simple, very easy to Correct. do, and very useful in the right circumstances. Yeah, look, fantastic. Um, and, and you're spot on. I think that's a very good example of what people need to keep in mind is there's there's a finite number of things that you can invest in, and a lot of investment opportunities will have a similar underlying asset allocation or exposure to companies. A lot of international companies will have, obviously, a large exposure to the US. Uh, Mm. They can branch off into Europe. And the nice thing about an exchange-traded fund or what an exchange-traded fund is, is just a collection of companies in a specific area all bundled together. And I think that's the simplest way to try and explain an ETF or an exchange-traded fund. An example of that for, for the listeners is, you know, when you watch the news at night, and just before the weather, they say the ASX 200 was up six points or down 56. Or Today it's it down be. 0.8%. Okay. So when you see that on the news, that is a very good example. The ASX 200 is the largest 200 companies in Australia, and that's the ASX 200 index. Now, you could go out and buy an ETF that replicates that index perfectly, and it costs around 015 of a percent for the privilege of investing in that ETF because that 
product has to buy the underlying assets, pay you a dividend, yeah. do all of the paperwork, do the distributions, do the tax statements. So there is a cost to investing in anything these days, which has always been the case with ETFs and managed funds. But an ETF is a really, really good vehicle for maintaining a cost-effective exposure to a specific area of the market that you can now choose because they've become very, very tailored yeah. and they're getting really sexy and they can also be really boring. So you've got a really nice suite of options depending on what takes your fancy. And the key feature of an exchange-traded fund is that it's simply an investment fund which is ex- traded on the exchange. So mm. you can actually go and buy units in this fund yes. directly on the stock exchange. You don't need to go and find somebody who will sell you units in a managed fund. Yeah, they, they trade exactly the same as something like a BHP or a, a Rio or a CBA or a NAB or any other listed share. It is a listed vehicle. And you can get into it for as much as little as nine ninety five brokerage on your online broker. <laughs> well, quite possibly, you know, just dependent on who you use. But yeah. it's it's something that people should look to try and incorporate or consider using where they want some very good diversification. They can control where they invest their money. You can actually now really dial down into different areas. So you can have an international exposure to the US, to Europe, to the world's largest one hundred companies, to tech to AI, to all of these different areas that are becoming more and more prevalent. You can have uh, ethical investments, you can have fixed interest sector, you could have Australian equities, and within the Australian equities, you can dive a little bit deeper and you yep. can say, all right, I really like the top 20. Yes, You can buy um, an, an, an ETF that is just the top 20, the top 50, the top 100, the top 200, top 300. So all I'm showing here is, you can tailor your exposure in line with how you feel about risk and the the level of of, um, fear that you have in the market. You can tailor what you buy so that your broader asset allocation is appropriate for your chosen risk profile. And ETFs are a really, really good vehicle to complement individual listed shares, managed funds, uh, fixed interest, cash, term deposits, they just become another vehicle or resource within your portfolio that you could use to try and achieve the outcomes that you want over the time frame for which you're investing. Now, tell me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine one of the great uh, uh, benefits of an ETF is the ease with which you can buy some mm. units in it or alternatively sell some units in it. It's as simple yeah. as going online, buy it, or sell it. Yep. Simple. Exactly. Just to say, just trades like a normal share. So uh, a really good benefit of an ETF is if you're not sure what you want to buy, and you may say, well, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for me to go and buy Google shares directly. Yeah. You could go and buy an international ETF that will hold all of the large cap big players, your Microsofts, your Googles, your Alphabets, your yep. Starbucks, well, your Johnson Johnson. One springs to mind immediately. Uh, it's it's a Nasdaq uh, ETF. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to play in that in that space, you can get an exposure. And the, what people really like about them is they're really good from a diversification standpoint. And the ETF that you purchase physically holds the underlying stock. So you want to think about how you structure these things because there's the stand. Let's call it a standard ETF, and then there's a synthetic ETF, which is involves elements of gearing and other and other put and call options and, and oh that now you're getting tricky. Well, again, <laughs> I, I just say to people, keep it nice and simple. Buy something that holds the physical underlying stock because mm-hmm. then you know you've got limited liquidity issues. Make sure you tailor it to your asset allocation yourself, and remember that it can complement 
specialised managed funds, depending if you, you like certain areas, or listed shares. If you already have an exposure to the top 20, you may want to buy one that doesn't have those underlying investments in it, so yeah. you're not doubling up indirectly in your portfolio. So they pay uh, income distributions just like a normal share would. So if you buy the ASX 200, you'll get a fully frank dividend, you'll get an income stream. So don't worry about losing out on distributions if yep. you're retired because they're a great way to normalise your income and not have a reliance on one individual company. So uh, something in the top 20 would be a good example where you'll have some healthcare, you'll have some resources, you'll have some banks, and you don't have to worry about going out and buying Westpac only for them to say that they're going to defer their dividend for 12 months so you don't get the income that you're expecting. So they're a great way to diversify your risk and your underlying exposure and, and make sure that you can limit those um, changes in volatility depending on whether the market's good, bad or indifferent on any given day. Is there anything bad about them? They sound so good. Um, well, it's not so much bad, but like any investment, you have to consider the potential risks that you're taking on. Yeah. You are buying into a structured investment, so there are costs. You are buying into something where the underlying assets need to be owned. There can potentially be the, the, the risk of volatility, so the value of something will go up and down. And it's very important that you have an understanding of what you're buying into, not just the label or the brand, because fixed interest could be classified as emerging debt, which mm -hmm. is a lot more risky than buying senior debt in Australia. So yeah. like I say to most people, you need to look under the hood and we say this about most things, you need to look under the hood and see, well, what are the underlying assets and what sort of proportions are held? Um, but it's it's really, it's an evolving area. You know, I, I did a little bit of research and there was $203 million worth of ETFs issued in 2003. Today, well, in 2019, at the end of 2019, it was a $6 trillion Whoa. industry. Huge. So I think these have really become more prevalent post things like the GFC. Yes. Where prior to that, people were making 20, 25%, didn't care about the costs. Yeah. Take the underlying performance away, and all of a sudden, people became really conscious of what they're spending. So using ETFs in your portfolio is a really good way of getting a cost effective exposure to assets that could be appropriate for you. And you need to make sure that they're available in your respective investment mm. structures, be it a super fund, an industry fund, or a personal super fund. Check and just see because not all funds offer them. Yeah. And again, it will come down to the suite of investments that your particular fund has. Um, and if they don't offer them, then I'd, I'd, I'd recommend people consider looking for one that does because you could be paying more than you need to. I think one of the attractive features of the ETF is that it's so simple, so straightforward, and you can mm. very much treat it like a set-and-forget kind of investment. Yeah. But is that also a risk? Could you become a bit complacent and uh, not pay as much attention to it as you should? Yeah, look, and I think, like anything, there's there's going to be cyclical movements, positive or negative, depending on what's happening. And part of being proactive is not so much turning over a portfolio and selling everything and buying it back. It's just topping and tailing assets. Take some profit when things are overpriced put it in cash. If you need to move out of a position, sell that and move into something better depending on what you're invested in and what the underlying investments are. So it's it's very much a, a simple way of getting great diversification and it may be a more passive side of your portfolio but you also then need to be cognizant of what's happening in the market 
and looking to try and take advantages where the US market becomes overpriced, you may want to take a little bit of powder off the table, keep it, and then look to reinvest if we see some weaker economic news come out later in the year when all of the, the subsidy payments are turned off, for example. So it's, 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 I treat them like any other share because they have a job to do in a portfolio and we try and complement them with specialist managed funds that we use and, and direct shares that we use to try and keep the underlying portfolio costs as sharp as possible. And that's, that's obviously what people are very concerned about. Now, you've said that you can get ETFs that replicate the ASX 200 or yep. the, even the top uh, top 20, you said. Yep. Uh, you, you can target various sectors yep. uh, like technology, for example. Yep. Can you also uh, target uh, particular equities on the basis of the ones that uh, have the best franking credits or the yep. ones that have the best income stream, that sort of thing? Yeah, So, and that's really part of that $6 trillion explosion in the sector is they're becoming more and more specialised and they're becoming more and more tailored for exactly those reasons. If you want artificial intelligence, you could go out and get one. You want uh, an ethical investment, you can go out and get one. If you want high-yielding domestic, you can get one. You want low-volatility US, you can get one. So it's about understanding and finessing the market and saying, well, what's out there for me? How does it fit my risk profile? And how does that complement the other assets that I have in my portfolio, because ultimately we don't want 10 apples. We want a few different things in a few different areas to try and mitigate volatility and make the most of positive and negative. And I'm talking about exchange-traded funds as if they simply consist of investments in other shares on the stock exchange, but can mm-hmm. they also consist of other investments that are not shares? Can can an exchange-traded fund be invested in other things? Yeah, look, uh, it can be invested in just about anything that its structure allows it to buy. You'll generally find that it will hold an underlying portfolio of assets. Um, But as I say, as they continue to evolve, you can have real estate-specific ETFs, you can have listed versions, you can have um, exposures to a number of different areas that then just comes down to going out to the numerous providers in the market and understanding the quality of what they're offering, looking at the underlying costs, taking into account your asset allocation, and then making sure that you're buying it for the right reasons so that you have the income that you expect or the franking credits that you want or the capital growth that you're after so that it tailors in line with what you're trying to achieve for you as opposed to having a sort of scattergun approach of, well, I'll just buy some of these. You don't necessarily want to go and buy five Australian equity ETFs that will all hold a mix of similar assets because you need that underlying diversification to mitigate risk over the longer term. Today we're talking about exchange-traded funds. Now, we've already covered what they are and why they're good, but, Luke, what are some things that we should consider when we're looking at investing in an exchange-traded fund? Right, so if I had to make a list, which surprisingly enough here I have. Look, here it is. I have one right in front of it. Here's one we prepared earlier. What are you trying to target? Understand, as we normally say, start with why. What am I trying to buy and what am I trying to achieve? And you can probably find an ETF that will get you some way along the road to to achieving your objective. Replication of direct shares and funds. So just be mindful that if you hold a number of big blue chip companies and you go and buy the ASX20, you're going to double down on the underlying shares again. Exactly. So try and use them as a way to diversify away from direct holdings for companies that you know and love. Um, because they're very good for that. Focus on income or growth. 
Obviously, there are things there that will pay you a dividend. There are ETFs that will focus on growth and look at your asset allocation. Do I want domestic? Do I want international? Do I want property? Do I want to buy infrastructure? You can buy an ETF in any of these um, sectors. Keep in mind that they are passive. They are not actively traded. One of the big differences between an ETF and a managed fund is a fund manager will tell you that they can achieve outperformance Mm. by how good and how sexy they run their, well, their fund. Well, yes, and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Exactly, and, and I'm not saying that they do or they don't. What I'm saying is a lot of managed funds will have a, an investment mandate that will, like the goalposts, they, yes. need to, they need to hold the assets between those goalposts and they don't want to stray too far from the goalposts either because when it's good, that's great. When mm. it's bad, it's really bad. <laughs> yes. So the underlying assets in a, in a managed fund, if you bought an Australian equity fund, they will hold the majority of the ASX 200 and then they might play with a little bit of the portfolio. So when you're looking at what you're going to buy, keep ETFs in mind because whilst the managed fund may say that it's a little bit sexy and a little bit more uh, valuable in their eyes, have a look at the performance and then compare that to the underlying costs because a managed fund in the Australian equity sector will probably cost you 0.7 or 0.8 of a percent if you can buy the ASX 200 at 0.15, that's some free money uh, because that's calculated on the value of your investment every year. So it's something to consider. Um, I'd also look at the underlying assets of what you buy. Understand where you are buying your assets. If you're talking fixed interest, are you talking Australian fixed interest or Italian fixed interest? There may be a slightly different there risk profile be, yes. that you need to consider and just weigh up cost and, and diversification because they are extremely useful. They're really, really powerful. And check your underlying fund. If your fund doesn't offer it, well, look for one that does, because a good personal super fund will allow you to have a really wide range of investment options, which could really lower your total investment costs. And if you think about saving half a percent on a million dollars every year, Mm -hmm. Mm risk-free, something to think about. I'm not saying cheap is better, but I'm saying choice and flexibility far outweighs limited options at a much higher price because you, you, you really get what you pay for in some instances and sometimes you don't. Well, you know, when you say saving money, I like the idea of saving money, general, mm. generally speaking. Yeah, I've never, I've never had a client walk in and say, <laughs> well, I'd really love to, you know, increase my investment costs, but they really do appreciate when you mm. expose them to these sorts of things, build in some listed fixed interest, buy some shares and reduce their costs they appreciate that because it's a saving that they'll benefit from every year that isn't deductible. That's a very important something to consider. The internal cost ratio of a managed fund is the cost before a distribution is paid to you. If you can reduce those costs and maintain a suitable income stream, right. you're maximising your rate of return in the various areas that you purchase the ETF in. So, Well, Luke, it's about that time of the afternoon for you to tell listeners where they can get more information. <laughs> well, 62604749. If you don't have an ETF or you want one, give us a call. Um, We can point you in the right direction and just check and see what you have and make sure you're not paying overs for what you're invested in. We've got the podcast on iTunes and Spotify, the Strategy Stacker, where we we have the show and the key takeouts. And obviously, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, Envision Financial Canberra, where we have the pre and post ad break. Uh, we've documented the key things that you can look for. You can pause it, write things down, and then then come back to it later when you're... uh, scrolling around with the kids in the bath and want something to watch. So Indeed, and it's important to include the word Canberra. 
Exactly right. Because there's an American one, apparently. Canberra. There's a, a, yes, you'll get a, a Canadian alternative and uh, they may not have the not, same Not the offering. same information, though. No. Exactly right. Right, Luke, thanks very much for that and uh, we'll catch cool. up with you again next Friday afternoon. See you next Friday. Two Double C Podcast.